You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. She was right. I am dangerous. Welcome back, everybody, to the whole movie podcast, the Neon Demon Edition. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola, and I am here with... Who's going to pick up the baton? Uh, I'll go. You're All here right. with Roxana Haddadi, uh, pop culture critic and film writer. And William O. Tyler, comic book creator, writer, artist, and host of Cinephilia on Twitch. Yes, uh, we can be found in so many places. Um, this is, oh, it's an exciting week, everybody. We, oh, this is it. This we is have it. we have arrived at, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going with, um, I'm a ghost for this one because I think I, I really think the next one, which will throw us into the runway, is, um, beauty isn't everything; it's the only thing, mm-hmm. which really, which really absorbs the, um it's everything moment from our little Jesse. And so this episode, we will be discussing the tour de force performance of Abby Lee in a bathroom, a sad girl in a bathroom performance for the ages um, with I'm a ghost, which will bring us, uh, we lean into that from the wonderful diner scene with um, the wicked stepmother and her two evil stepdaughters, uh, which will feed into the ghosty, which will feed into the bathroom and I, a note from the director's commentary, Roxana. I have been like, I was wanting to say this before, but I was saving it till now. Uh, the, when when it opens on the ghosty, and we get you know that amazing profile shot of Elle, and it pulls back to all the models in that white room. Nicholas Winding Refn gleefully goes. Now we're at the slaughterhouse. I love it. <laughs> the slaughterhouse. I mean, fresh meat. Yep. Fresh meat, baby. Yep. And oh my, oh my God, this is like, this is so, such a wonderful, this, this, this as a point of discussion, like through the ghosty and everything, like, I feel like this really contains like the sort of heart of the, are you going to hate this movie or are you in for it? Because it's like, it's, it's the, is this, is, does this movie hate women or is this movie aware of how deeply women are hated? And so it's going to present that to us in the most sort of enticing way possible for our own, you know, decisions to process what that means for us. Um, and it we lead into it in the diner scene, which, you know, we've come out of the gold paint, we've come out of the photo shoot, and Ruby is breaking the news to her girls that, and it's so fascinating to watch this as a like setup as they come back together. Cause as Refn says in the commentary, we haven't seen Gigi and Sarah since the, the opening like party, the neo, the demon dance. And we are bringing them back in now. And Ruby is almost delighting in torturing Gigi and Sarah with the knowledge that Jesse posed for Jack. I think that she revels in <laughs> 
telling them that mm-hmm. like oh yeah this girl this girl that I found mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, yeah because I think she feels still very tied to her like essentially this girl that I found accomplished something sort of that neither of you has mm-hmm. and I think with the knowledge of what we know eventually happens mm-hmm What's a really interesting twist on the scene because I again I can't really tell if Ruby is gloating mm-hmm. because she thinks Jesse will eventually join them, mm. or if again as we've sort of described like these women like love and hate each other in equal measure, mm-hmm. right? So I yeah. think that there is sort of like a gleeful torture going on. Um, between all of them because they Mm -hmm. all like sort of give and take with each other at the same time and that diner scene is so interesting in terms of like i can't tell which one of them is powerful or the most powerful in that moment because it feels like it just keeps like winding around and around and i think that yeah because like ruby is smug Gigi is floating above Gigi is is superior to everybody and Mm -hmm. sarah couldn't be bothered Right. Which I think is the truest sign of power. Mm-hmm. And then I think that is what makes that later bathroom scene so devastating. Because I think, at least for myself, I always thought that performance is like, well, I don't give a shit because I don't need to give a shit. Mm-hmm. And then the bathroom like so completely upends that mm-hmm. and shows you like a sense of vulnerability from her that I didn't anticipate at least Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean the diner scene is great in that it again continues our question of like how did these women like become what they are right like what was the first (laughs) diner what was the first diner conversation that these three had together how did that Mm -hmm. fucking happen Mm -hmm. was it and you have like from the you know were they were, were Gigi and Sarah like ever were they like the ocean avenue um eighth and ocean model apartment living together situation or were they like immediately threats to one another and so it was like keep your friends close but your enemies closer and then they developed just this like complete codependency because they're sort of all each other has in this commiseration it is right i would love to know the origin story of yeah. of the wicked stepsisters yeah it's so interesting too that they're they are so connected and yet they're so different Gigi mm. and Sarah like Sarah or Gigi is is totally um in denial about a lot of stuff yes um, oh my god I mean they're they're both getting this information but Gigi's response is is who and I don't know her. of course it's a it's a facade mm-hmm. um because she immediately steps back and is like oh okay we're actually going to have this conversation um but even her like wanting to hear the the menu what what is being served for the day even though she's not going to eat it uh-uh. um everything is just like um like she's she, i think Gigi is really playing the game mm-hmm. um that she thinks she needs to play where sarah um as roxana said like we're we're about to hit that vulnerability from sarah but up until we see that bathroom scene we're under the impression that she just is not like, she doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just over it all Um, where (laughs) that bathroom scene really does change that. Um, 
but it's just interesting that they're both giving this given this information and they put it in two separate places mm -hmm. um and it really shows like how with all three of them there's like different routes that you can take to navigate this world this mm -hmm. industry um and all of them kind of suck all of them yeah what's your best kind of your suck. bad choices right yeah 100 percent. yeah well, and, and when the way Ruby started when she's like, you know, they're like, how was the shoot? They want to know how it went with Jack. And um, and, and we, we open on Abby just like blithely like wiping the gloss on her lips. I I rewound just that to watch Abby <laughs> just like rubbing lip gloss on her bottom lip over and over again before Bella's like, tell me the specials. You're not going to eat it. Like what in a, what a sequence. But Ruby's like, Jesse was there. And you watch Bella just like you watch Gigi just button up. Who? And you can just feel her bracing. And then Ruby does not sit, remind them. She just like rolls her eyes and tilts her head down. Like, don't fuck, don't do that to me. Like, not me. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not some outsider. You know me, I know you. Like, cut the shit. And like, oh, you know, Jack doesn't test new models. And the way like, the way Gigi keeps trying to assert her viability as, as a model commodity and the way Sarah exists to you can't tell if she's like just trying to rip her down for the sake of it or if it's like are you trying to like is this some measure of like trying to provide perspective or protectiveness over her when she's like because you know oh well jack shoots me all the time Gigi says and sarah goes you know that's not gonna last like just constantly being like listen temper your fucking expectations who wants sour milk when you can get fresh meat yeah. and there's just sarah is wearing so much pain on the outside and you watch Gigi, who's trying to bury it all in. And you look at Sarah and you're like, oh, you've been hurt. And then you look at you look at Gigi and you're like, how have you been hurt? Because, wow, like what things have happened to build this compartmentalizing process that you do in real time when you receive icky information? And it's it's ter it's 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 chilling and feels very honestly, despite how hyperbolic sort of each section and character is in this movie. Um, it feels very real to like people, you know, I, I feel like I, I know each of those kinds of people who handle life in those ways. Um, and it feels like I, I see it and it's like, that resonates. Like I, I'm aware of, you know, even if this situation itself is very sort of blown out and hyper real, um, these two reactions to challenge or the like pain of existing feel very relatable to me as far as people I know in the world. It's very scary in that way but there is there is a moment where somebody says something and um like they refin and l laugh on the commentary and refin goes we got to remember we are watching a comedy and l <laughs> <laughs> goes it's okay moment. to laugh it's meant to laugh and i was just like again i want to hear 24 year old l fanning reflect yeah. on this <laughs> I, I want like an oral history where everybody talks. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I want to understand what happened. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's very fair because I think that like, obviously the two of them, I think are at this point, like not the extremes of the industry because mm. they're both, I mean, this might be harsh, but they're both sort of on the downslope. They yeah, are. Right. And, and you as, know, as, as, and they know Gigi, it, as Sarah, yeah, Sarah says to Gigi, um, your expiration date's coming. 
Yeah. So it, it's one of those things too, where it's like they are both sort of on the downslope, both trying to figure out how to maintain relevance. Mm-hmm. And Ruby does sort of operate as this outsider. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, I can't like <laughs> the dynamics of that trio is just yeah. so fascinating to me because like we laughingly do call them like the stepmother and the evil like stepsisters or whatever but ruby in this moment does almost seem like the abusive mother figure who loves telling you that your friend is better than oh, you oh yeah you know oh, like yeah jack doesn't test new models well he does now apparently he thinks she's gonna be this giant star you know like she is very much like rubbing that in their faces Mm -hmm. but you know it makes me think like their time might pass but like when does ruby's Mm -hmm. like when does ruby become irrelevant and like does that matter and i don't know i don't know if it does but it just adds something very interesting in terms of like how they're all in this industry quote unquote but like being a model i think is so different oh, from yeah. doing anything else in this industry mm-hmm. that i just don't think ruby can ever really understand them mm-hmm. and that adds like sort of this weird friction undercurrent to all of the scenes with the three of them together yeah as long as 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 long as ruby's makeup uh talent doesn't (laughs) you know dry up um Mm -hmm. then she's she's gonna be the character that watches all of the girls pass her by like Mm -hmm. she's and and that's a kind of a bitter thing as well like you don't it 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 seems like you know she's almost like a vampire character and everyone around her Mm -hmm. you know dies off and she has to keep going through the cycle of you know whatever she does over and over again um and maybe for some people, you know, that might be a good thing. Right. Um, some people might want that longevity, but if it gets monotonous, I feel like Ruby is the type of, of character who would not want monotonous. So she's always going to be seeking that younger girl and, mm-hmm. and someone that's going to keep her um, feeling young, even if she isn't. Right, um, right. And in the know and having, a, you know, she wants before she gets to the point where you know she might want to eat jesse she wants jesse as kind of a a trophy girl mm-hmm. um yeah on her yeah. arm so yeah it's it's totally a a very different perspective to have a trophy girl than to be a trophy girl <laughs> mm-hmm. well and i think too what's interesting as well is it's like we obviously have all these like terrible male photographer figures who in some ways are like you know to go back to that like old idea of like a camera steals your soul or whatever we do have like these universally male Mm -hmm. photographers who are taking pictures of these young girls and essentially like using their beauty for their own ends and all of that stuff but that is complicated by ruby yeah who is also using their beauty for her own ends Mm -hmm. and also clearly covets it and wants to play some part of role in it. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too, where it's like, you also want Jesse, like William said, because you can say, oh, well, I had a part in making her who mm-hmm. she was. And 
I think also Ruby wants to be owed by Jesse. Yeah, I think very much that. Like she wants Jesse to be in her debt with whatever that entails. Mm -hmm. And I wonder too, are Sarah and Gigi in her debt? Like, how does any of that work? I have mm-hmm. so many questions. Right. Like, um, what do it's also transactional? Like, what do they get from Ruby? And yeah. and because like it seems clear what Ruby gets from them. Like, this proximity mm-hmm. is very important to her. Having these beautiful women around her is very important to her. And you know, how is what is Ruby an anchor for for Gigi, for Gigi and Sarah? Mm-hmm. And they're you know, is she a scout? Like, is she? I mean, I think she's the facilitator, right? I mean, I think she feels like a madame figure, yeah, because yeah. I think that she is the go between. I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit with my saying this, but by my memory, she does not eat Jesse. I, I mean, they all go down to the pool together and then they arise covered in blood. I don't know okay. what Jenna does over the she, she's in the tub covered in viscera. Um, right. I assume she's dined. I, okay. I, I assumed that all three partook as well. Okay. But, but we definitely will have an episode. About yeah. This yeah. Episode. We will yeah. definitely be talking about that. There, <laughs> yeah. what I, a thing I, again, because they're so, this, so, so much of this movie happens in the absence of what is said, the physical performances are so important. And you get like, you see, I feel like this is a great showcase for Ruby and the way Jenna Malone, like the facial expressions and the, oh yeah. you know, the way her eyes move. And she just, she has that thing, like the way her jaw juts out when she says she, Jesse has that thing. And then you, there's an amazing, it's an amazing response when, you know, cause um, Sarah says the, like, you know what, she's, she's young and she's thin, like giving it reasons why she's not that special. You know, she's right. not special yet. And then Ruby starts to say like, mm, it's more than that though. She, she has that thing. And then as she says, like right after she says that it turns back to Gigi and Sarah and you watch Gigi lose the facade. Yeah. She started, she looks, Bella Heathcote's doing a really great job in this scene. And Gigi looks so afraid. Like yeah. she suddenly is kind of like looking into the middle distance and her face is hanging down and she's not like in her ramrod straight posture she normally has. And it's, she knows it's all of them being confronted with the thing that they know, but they wanted to keep playing off. And while she's doing that, Abby as Sarah is like, she just kind of like blinks and casts her gaze off into another direction. Like, I don't want to hear it. And they watching how they receive this explicit lining out of the thing that this movie is about this this intangible something that can stop a whole room of people in their tracks and make make them look at one individual we see them really knowing it was there but for the first time really accepting the gravity of that knowledge that there is this person who has that much magnetism who's new on the scene and in the way that this movie frames the the model economy and I imagine is quite true it's 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 a bit of a one in one out you get the sense that like they feel they cannot compartmentalize away in that moment their own descent idea of them talking about Jesse as a constant force that's coming and yeah. there is just such a fear that washes over Gigi in particular that is so in contrast to the performance that Bella's been giving to that point. It's so effective mm-hmm. as, as just a, a demonstration of like, I feel like everything that this movie's trying to convey about 
how much that kind of beauty and that sort of presence and, and, and magnetism can change one's life for the better. And how in this particular industry, it comes at a, like an exact, almost exact proportional cost to somebody else. How performative it is. Yeah. I mean, you have to perform as well. This sense of like, I think being like grateful, but also confident and like on top of your shit, but yeah. also willing to do whatever somebody else wants you to do. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like the heightened girl sense. boss, but compliant. Yeah. Yes, constantly. Yeah. And it also makes me think that like Neon Demon and Showgirls would be a great doubleheader. That's a great oh, wow. point. Yeah. That's a because, great point. Because that sense of like, we keep talking about the sense of like campiness and like the performative quality of femininity and the one in, one out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're both really interesting in terms of like, what what do you want from these women, mm-hmm. right? Like, what do you want them to be for you? And I think the diner scene does a really good job as we've all discussed, like, of making, I think, Sarah and Gigi realize that everything they've done up until this part has been somebody else's standard mm-hmm. of beauty. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, they just can't change who they are anymore, right? Like, try as Gigi woman, might. Try bionic as Gigi woman might. can't get more bionic. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. There is a limit. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, like, that then takes us very nicely into the casting scene <sighs> and that sense of, like, what does jesse have nobody can quantify it nobody can quantify it like nobody can discuss it and i think an initial watch i think we think i think we're meant to think that it's innocence Mm -hmm. yes but then i think upon each rewatch and especially with the ref and l commentary Mm -hmm. she certainly didn't play her entirely innocent too no not at all so then it sort of raises the question of like well what is it then and i don't know if it's even possible to answer, right? Like it's the I, I question think, we've been trying to answer since the dawn of time. Yeah, what like, is I think it? It's just, <laughs> I think it's impossible to answer, and I think what we think it is says more about ourselves than Completely. it says about the movie. You know, Completely, yes, yes. But yeah, but that casting scene, man, it is. Mind you, also the good audio commentary. It continues to be a space for Refn to be an L stand <laughs> because oh, they're, the, so the moment where the moment where Jenna's like, you know, she has that thing. Um, Nick Refn goes, which is when people describe what what is L fanning? I always say she has that thing. <laughs> Like just the way he <laughs> changes nothing about his delivery or his tone of voice, but then we'll just start talking about like what a magnetic, amazing, singular talent Elfanny is. Um, trusting a thing. Refin has daughters, right? Yes. yes. I think okay. two teens. I literally would pay like an insane amount of money to yes. go back in time and see Refin on like the sidelines of his daughter's soccer game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, something, like something like super mundane. Yes. Because yes. I feel like that would be like so fascinating to watch him be like, and here are your orange slices. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> something, like really bizarre but um so bizarre but yeah but that's but again yeah like what you know and that's that's all of hollywood right mm-hmm. like how do you explain anybody's success well like, that's like you, you walk around you walk around this town and you see like you see so much so everybody fucking everybody's pretty everybody's right. pretty and probably a lot of them are really talented mm-hmm. but 
they're up against people who are really pretty and really talented when they go into every one of these auditions. Mm -hmm. And it just comes down to that. What is that thing? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when people have chemistry reads, like that's the intangibles. It's just when you like, you know, there is a type and it's like, oh, we want this kind of physicality. And so you find yourself with your sort of like counterparts in these final two settings. And it's just the way you strike someone you know, cause probably if you've got to that level, you're both really good. You've given a good read, you've given a great right. audition, but that final over the hurdle thing is that unnameable, unquantifiable thing where it's like, well, that sealed it. The camera loves you more. The camera wants you more. We're more enticed by you. And it's not because one of you is less pretty than the other, because right. there's a certain economy here in Hollywood that dictates you will all must be this hot to ride the ride. And like, so it can't come down to that. So it's just that you know, when we get that amazing, like you said, that, 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 that's that good shit. Like when we start that shot on L and we pull out and it's this stark white room with all these models, they all look a version of exactly the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all gorgeous. They all have for a, for that type of body, amazing bodies. Like there's not one objectively kind of amazing body, but if you're going to be six feet tall and have a nine inch waist and all that stuff like that, they all have their amazing model bodies. Um, Jordan, I'm sorry. Uh, my five, four, 31 inch waist <laughs> body, also amazing. It's okay. what I'm saying. Also it's what amazing. I'm saying. For their category of body, they are the, they are like that platonic ideal, which is not going to be the ideal of everybody, but it's the ideal that this industry has decided is the most agreed upon, generically palatable and satisfying way to be. And you see, and as Nick, as winding, as Reffin says, these are the category of models that were all a thousand dollars a day. Um, Yeah, he's like (laughs) the more famous ones all either like needed a line or what we couldn't pay them and their rates weren't negotiable. So this is, these were the thousand dollar a day models. And, you know, they just have to stand excruciatingly still in place in these tableaus for hours while they shoot. Like mannequins. Yeah, like mannequins, exactly. exactly. Like these these living mannequins. And we get that. They're all just like these anonymous staring into an indeterminate spot in the space. But we are anchored in this scene by Jesse staring again straight ahead and Jesse being watched by somebody else. So as we pull out, we see Abby behind her just staring fucking hot lasers into Jesse. Abby Lee, she's so angry. And just like leaned over, lurched over. And we just pull out and we see all of them. And Elle is just like, I wish I could have been on set to just watch them posing every woman. Like I would imagine them like grabbing a wrist and tilting it just so on every girl. Like, okay. And then little head like two degrees that way. All right, L like this, like, all right, do this with a knee and do this with an ankle. Like it's so fucking precise. It's like a painting. And we just see, and that's, and that is, that's the slaughterhouse. As Abby says, as Sarah says, why have sour milk when you can have fresh meat? Fresh meat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Did either of you ever see In Fabric? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, every time we talk about mannequins, I'm just reminded of what the mannequins in that movie do. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. Rigorous work for mannequins. Maybe the most rigorous work for mannequins in history of cinema. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Watch In Fabric. It's very fucked up. Yeah. But um, also perhaps a comedy. Also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Very much. But again, but again, that sense of like, yes, these women are alive. 
but like <laughs> but like in that scene it's like to what Huge extent mm-hmm. yeah like to what extent like mm-hmm. they are only there to fulfill first an objective standard of beauty mm-hmm. because like you said jordan it's like everybody fits the like height weight hair curves specification so they fit like this objective standard of what we have decided beauty is yes but then it just goes into this subjective space Mm -hmm. that you have no control over at all Mm -hmm. and so I think that is what is so fascinating about like Sarah's resentment Mm -hmm. and anger and rage this scene is that Mm -hmm. sense of like I've done everything I could do objectively objectively and now we're in this subjective space that i cannot control Mm -hmm. and that's when like we discuss in that perfect line she becomes a ghost because Mm -hmm. it's like you don't fit that standard then you're completely irrelevant to this industry you are a no one and we get the sense of that in that scene where it's like all eyes are on jesse Mm -hmm nobody else in that room exists and it, it like it there's i i love it when they like once we set the the tableau of this of the sitting standing models and then they get called into the walk mm-hmm. like again the height of this movie's fan fantastique uh sensibility is that abby lee isn't also ran and yeah. <laughs> that Abby Lee is, is your consolation prize model and like they call everybody in and just the process of watching an only underwear clad Abby Lee stand from a seated position is just like and whoosh like there she goes like the, the yeah. amount of leg that surfaces from the ground when Abby Lee stands up to walk somewhere and she's just she's so trained that like mm-hmm. you watch her there's this great moment in the movie Debs at the beginning when the, all the like all the Debs are walking into like a restaurant to meet their like Deb head and like get marching orders they all walk into a restaurant like they pass through this door threshold Devin Aoki comes through first mm-hmm. and Devin Aoki is a fucking model <laughs> and mm-hmm. she crosses that door threshold in heels hips leading her shoulders back and the way she glide I made a gif of that just to watch <laughs> Devin Aoki walk through a scene over and over again because nobody else is moving like Devin Aoki no one else is gliding like Devin Aoki because it's not that scene it's just how yeah. she's trained so you see this like you see Abby stand to go and into the walk and just the way she instinctually works is in it's like there it is there's the professional like you just she can't turn it off and she's obviously in the mode for work too but the way you see her just like take her place from the lineup to walk in front of um, Alessandro Navolo to walk in front of the designer um, to like get his attention and begin walking the way she just like brought breaks from the line walks forward does like a heel turn and like has her hip popped and her shoulder kind of out it was like wow just like n- you're the one I'm not supposed to like be buying right. into as the end all be all right now and I would risk it all for you <laughs> That's what makes it makes this scene devastating on kind of a meta level yeah because yeah truly you know that she's probably the best in the room yeah um but he sarno won't even look up at her mm-hmm. and it's like should i go again no thank you that'll be all 
Oh. <laughs> Kill me. Uh, it hurts so much. And it's, it it's, doesn't it's sort get of... any easier. Even even being the best, even being an actual supermodel, having all that leg, mm-hmm. having the walk down pat. Oh, I mean, God. Abby Lee is so on point and fierce, but he doesn't even see it. He cannot be it's bothered. There and he He's just even... making a flower out of his hanky. <laughs> it's so devastating. And I um, guess that was an Alessandra Nivolo ad. He was like, oh, I'm just going to finish it with this and turn it into like a flower kerchief over and over again. And when she <laughs> poses back in front of him and and you see, they cut to Jesse just briefly to see like Jesse eyeing her. Probably kind of like, okay, is this what I do? I've literally right. never done this before. Never done it. <laughs> and and it's truly, it's truly perfect to, you know, hilarious that Refn really didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground when it came to casting Abby <laughs> Lee. Um, like he, he picked one of the, he picked one of the top industry, like professionals that he could have. And it just, it, it does, it does such a good, it goes such a long way in this movie to underscoring what they're trying to sell about Jesse. Because like you said, you can objectively be everything, mm-hmm. but if you're not what the person wants, then you are nothing. Mm-hmm. And so to have to have all that Abby Lee, glorious alien empress, whatever she is, in front of you, and have that not even be enough because yeah. the the it factor of Jesse is just so overwhelming that not even an Abby Lee can chart by comparison is a perfect illustration of the subjectivity of of the brutality of this of this mm-hmm. slaughterhouse. And I feel like like shout out to like all the terrible men in this movie. Because Shuts like out. you know, because like they like all of these actors are very good and yeah, and they're terrible in the sense again that we're assuming so much hidden threat mm-hmm. in what they want. Yeah. But in this scene in particular, like Alessandra's performance is like actually hilarious. It is because he yeah. yeah, because he takes it to this like, I'm overwhelmed by her beauty, like I'm starting to cry. And like in real life would be like, look at this fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> in real life you would be looking at me going look at this fucking loser because i was doing exactly what sarno did at that moment i saw it and i was i was so the movie so had channeled me into its frequency that i was like getting misty oh when Joe was like it's happening and when as and and l says in the commentary she's like nivola looks up sarno looks up and um l goes he's falling in love falling in love like <laughs> And you're right. I, he I, turns I, it up so hot. Just he like turns it up so hot. You can hear like, Aah! like it's a chorus of angels are gonna rise up behind him. So and it's it's like one hundred percent simp territory. <laughs> but William, what are you gonna say? It's it's absolutely. Um, I think someone I can't remember who one of you said um, that you know Refn always does his, these. Uh, silent storytelling like mm-hmm. not using words they're obviously words in the scene but there's so much happening under the words behind the words and we're getting um two very distinct different perspectives mm-hmm. at the same time where he's having this very um heavenly moment like yes. he is having an epiphany and all of that is happening while Sarah has just stepped off to the side yes and she's going through absolute hell yep Mm -hmm. you can see it on both of their faces simultaneously the joy and the the horror of this situation 
how it's yeah. great for someone and awful for someone else. This movie is so good like, at those dichotomies in single yes, scenes. Absolutely. And I think there's even like one tear that comes down Sarah's face. Yes. Like I think I'm, both of them cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they both yes. cry, but well, and, and Reffin says on the commentary, reasons. he goes, That's real tears from Abby. Those are real yeah. tears. It's I love it's, that. It's so um I feel like that one tear coming down Abby's face oh. would have been enough for me. That would have been right. That that itself is an exclamation of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But then the fucking bathroom scene happens. Oh, the fucking bathroom scene! But that oh. brings like, and then we see like we get that um we get that amazing like devastating transition from the go seat where jesse has been informed like okay we're gonna take your measurements and you're amazing we're yeah. going for it yeah yeah she's they're like do you have a card and she's like uh no not really have you have you done this before uh no not really and they're just like fuck it we don't care how old are you 19 yeah we're not gonna ask again sign her up so they walk her over to get her measurements and abby sarah is watching her and because she's she's been discarded she's not part of the show mm-hmm. and then we see that transition from the go from from the walk into the bathroom where we just see all of Abby Lee like clad in black clutching her lookbook to her chest walking down the hall like a ghost um on her way to the bathroom where she is about to shatter for the first time in front of us a literal th- break <laughs> a literal break yeah and i think uh, i don't know how to say this that isn't like maybe overly analytical of the character but like in some way we can sort of see this coming right Mm. oh sure because like all indicators point to sarah being the one who will break down Mm -hmm. but i'll be honest that i never expected it to be a breakdown that is so about jesse yes Mm -hmm. but also really about herself right like i think like this is really about like her potential self-hate and realization that like the day might be done yeah like on her career it might be over yeah and it's just so absurd because like we see what she looks like we see we have eyes (laughs) right like we see what she looks like but then that like outburst of violence for a character who up until this point has been cool and calm and collected and seemingly sort of detached and acting with a certain amount of like sarcasm and self-awareness for this Mm -hmm. industry like she's not like Gigi Mm -hmm. who seems somewhat delusional yeah but even still to have that much anger coming outward I do think makes maybe for the film's most powerful moment Mm, i mean i think you know i think other things are like melodramatic and sort of like fun to discuss and how wild they are yeah but there's something like very deeply upsetting about this scene Mm -hmm. because it's so realistic right like the emotions of this are so real yeah yeah the the facade drops like Mm -hmm. we talk about how um, a lot of this movie is synthetic and a lot of the characters have this facade or this double face or this performance that they're putting on, mm-hmm. even Jesse to an extent. And when Sarah goes into that bathroom and she is um, so full of angst and tension that she literally has to break the mirror, mm-hmm. um, 
the fact that she, you know, breaks this mirror and then all of a sudden the facade of the entire movie has dropped and we've yeah. gone from heightened reality to, like you say, Roxana, actual reality. Like this feels real. And I think that's why this moment um, stands out for me so much because, and, and why Sarah as a character stands out for me so much as my personal favorite character in this movie. Yeah. Because she is, um, I feel like the realest character in the movie. Yeah. She, you know, even, even with the facade she was giving earlier, she has always been very um, blunt and to the point about what she's saying. She's yeah. not, like we said, Gigi is in, um, some delusional state and denial and is, you know, really acting it up. But she's, Sarah's the opposite. She's the one that, you know, when they're having that food or sex conversation, she's the one that goes straight to the questions like, who are you fucking? Yeah. Um, she's the one that's calling out Gigi on all the stuff that Gigi is delusional about. Um, so she's already had, even in her facade, has already had a level of reality more than some of the other characters but then in this scene fuck <laughs> she fuck she just she completely and abby lee is i it. can't imagine a better performance than what abby lee is giving in this role. i can't either and it's funny because you know this is someone that i think i first saw abby lee in mad max fury road right. as one of the wives where she you know doesn't do much lines, doesn't do much you know is just kind of there she's definitely um, the most wild-eyed one of the bunch Right, yeah. she, as the she dag. Even in that movie, she definitely catches your eye. Like mm -hmm. she stands yeah. out a bit still. But I never expected something like this mm -hmm. from her. This scene, I I can't even. I, I'm at a loss of words right now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I it get has it. to come. I think that this is the benefit of casting somebody from the industry. Yes. in this scene the authenticity. you know the yeah, he, he accidented his way into finding a good actress yeah because i think that which isn't to get like to armchair psychology or whatever like who knows what abby lee's experiences in this industry have been etc 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 but i feel like you spend enough time in the industry and you either see somebody having a freak out like this mm, yeah or it becomes a part of you in terms of something like you compartmentalize because nobody gets every job they go out for right. right right like that's not possible like nobody gets cast in everything they want all of us struggle with feelings of like disappointment resentment rejection even when you're fucking abby lee right yeah. so i think it's one of those things where it's like it really benefits from somebody who came up in the industry and can add some like credence to this feeling and then it also just helps that like she has clearly been so haunted this whole time mm -hmm. and that's why ghost feels like such a like particular word because yeah. you could use like shadow right or like you could say like i feel invisible like there are other terms that you could use but if we're like going back to that idea of like everybody in this movie is like some kind of weird supernatural aside from jesse like the fact that sarah is a ghost really resonates in mm -hmm. like a different way 
And it makes later on Jesse's foray into their house really feel like a haunted house, like mm-hmm, somewhere yeah. that she has trespassed that she should not have gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this to me feels like another part of that trespass. Like working with Jack felt like a trespass upon yeah. Gigi's territory. Yeah, 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 for sure. This feels like a trespass for Sarah. We're like, this is a job that she would have booked. Mm-hmm. Like she would have gotten this. And Jesse arrives and all of that disappears. Yeah, you don't add another look to the show. You have a finite number of looks that your models wear. And mm-hmm. so it, it becomes that one in, one out. And to speak to um, what you were saying about like her experiences, Reffin says in the commentary that um, she was, Abby was really important in how she was like right next to him while they were setting up the whole um, uh, walk and go see. And she was being like, I remember standing with Abby in, in the morning, going through every single detail while you were in makeup of mm-hmm. like, what kind of table, what would be on a table. Like when people were like certain models, I guess, were in the background of the shot. And she was telling him like, if there were models that she said that person wouldn't be here, right. I would take them out of the scene. Wow. Like telling, oh, wow. yeah. Like, so she's walking him through the sort of stark cruelty of the shuffling out process. And when I um, talked to her for, when Elizabeth Harvest came out, uh, we t- chatted a bit about her time in the industry. And again, this is somebody who ascended to some of like the highest heights that you can you can get to, but there mm-hmm. was a journey up to getting to that point. Sure. And um, she, uh, we started talking about her bringing her sort of coming to Hollywood. As she, she's like, I came in when I was older, when I was 25 um to Hollywood and yeah that's sort of ancient exactly exactly but she had there was such a go through the ringer process of being a model that when she got here I think she had kind of sort of experienced the lowest of the lows that the person could get and sort of like the human human traffic human commoditization economy that she'd been working for so long so she was very prepared for that she said um she said, I'm very passionate and I can become very enraged. And a lot of the time it has to do with female issues. I'm very protective of women's rights. You know, being a six foot 14 year old who starts modeling, the world gets pretty fucking scary. And I've had to really muster up an extreme amount of courage for such a young girl to work my way through some really difficult situations. And so like that, that to me felt like a sort of sufficient sweep over, you know, the world gets pretty fucking scary for a six foot 14 year old, like beautiful person like me in this meat grinder of an industry. And you see, like when I watch this now, like after, like I loved it before and then watching it after having talked to her, I see so much like real agony come through in what she's doing that like it hurt. It hurts to watch. It, It feels like watching somebody's therapy in a little bit of a way. Because like when she's standing in front of that mirror, even if like that hasn't been her in like the recent past of her career necessarily, like she says in that interview too, like I don't get every job I go up for, like particularly in film, which she said is her favorite thing to do, like acting. Um, she's like, I don't get every part I read for. Like I've, I've you know, I, I, I've had some pretty heavy heartaches the past couple of years, like missing out on projects I was really passionate about. But like she knows, she's seen, she knows exactly what that moment is for people, I'm sure it has watched it played out where they realize that maybe that door shut. And so when she has that moment where she's just looking at herself in the mirror and having like, is this my Rubicon? Like, have I crossed it? Is there no coming back? 
And then Jesse hears the crash of the mirror and she comes like creeping into the bathroom. And then you see like, before you even see Sarah, really almost before you even see Sarah, you see her portfolio ripped up on the floor, like photos of her, like photos of her face torn in half. And there's just like between like the seeing of a face and a fractured mirror and the torn photos of somebody, there's such like a self mutilation that goes with that. It is so just emptying. And you look at Abby and she's just, she, she is hollowed as the ghost in that moment. Like she becomes the thing she becomes the thing sort of emotionally that she knows that she's become literally. And it's just, it, 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 it shows you the price. Like we, the, we get like the, you know, the, the crazy horror price of it later on and like the extreme sense. But like we see in this moment, like the human price that people are probably experiencing every day going through this commodification process. And as, as Refn says, like when they are setting up the scene with all like the model tableau, he's like- It's purely an utter objectification. Like he, he knows that and to be ultimately reduced to an object and then be told that even as an object, you do not rise to the level of merit. Oh my God. Even Fuck. as a clothes hanger, you're not cutting it. You're not cutting it. Yeah. I mean, there's something, yeah, extremely devastating about that. And I think that like also the scene almost takes on like an operatic scale, mm-hmm. right? Like it becomes so tragic mm-hmm. in terms of like what is happening to Sarah. And then it also really feels sort of like Jesse rubbing salt in the wound. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, did, I mean what, the way you Sarah know? reacts to her, is that not the worst thing you could we've all kind of had that moment where we took an L. And then mm-hmm. someone came in with their toxic positivity. And it's like, this is the worst fucking thing you could say to me right now, man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's honest. And in that way, I suppose it's admirable. I mean, Jesse doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. Sarah knows that that's the truth. It is everything mm-hmm. to be the focus in a scene like that. But also what I always but thought. But even in the moment the where scene, Jesse says, when she, when the, even when the moment she like says to Sarah, she's like, It's like, right. no, 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 yeah. no, 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 like, no, 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 mm, no. I don't need that from you right now. You mm, fucking 16 year old. I don't, I yeah. don't want to hear that from you yeah. right now. You asshole. Yeah. Um, I know the score. Okay. Right. You don't need to tell me it's something else. But here's the thing that always blew my mind about this. Like, am I to believe that Sarah has never been the number one? Like, is that the implication here? Because the, again, it's Abby Lee. Like I know, like I understand. <laughs> no, I know. Like I understand the suspension of disbelief, but that is one of those things that I always thought to myself, like, is that what makes this moment so much more bitter? I imagine Sarah as a working model, mm-hmm. but not a she's still like she's still in LA after. I think that's kind of a distinction here is that with the promise of what like Christina Hendricks tells Jesse, if you do a good job and you make it and you make it big, it'll be off to New York and around the world. And here right. you have Gigi and Sarah who are two LA models who are mm-hmm. two working models who haven't become the Jetson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think also um, Sarah actually has to go to the audition. Where yeah. We see later oh, that Gigi you're right. Has not had to go to the yeah, audition. Yeah. Gigi's just at the show. Yeah. Right. So, so there, right. there are different levels to it for sure. Um, but I do think, like you said, Jordan, Sarah's a, a working model and probably has had some success in LA. Yeah. But I think it's also interesting. She pays that, a rent. I, I believe she pays a rent. Like she, you know, can buy her nice clothes. <laughs> but when she walks up, um, this is another thing that we kind of, we didn't even get into. When she walks up to do her, 
her walk for Sarno, um, his assistant whispers to him. Yeah. Gossip happening. And I think that maybe Sarah might have some sort of a reputation that's keeping her, whether it's true or not. Right. Maybe some baggage. But there's some sort of, there's, there's some reputation that is keeping him from even looking up at her to begin am with. I, am I misremembering? Doesn't she, does she say that she walked for him before? Isn't there something else that happens in that scene? There is something like that. I can't remember exactly, but there's, yeah. there's, there's two assistants. There's one sitting next to him. There's the one that doesn't that, that speak whispered. next to him. And then there's the yeah. voice off camera. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think the voice off camera said like something along those lines. Yeah. Like I think, and, and I think that speaks to your point too. Like, I think she has worked for him before. Maybe the experience didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Or maybe and... he just doesn't remember her. Or maybe he just doesn't remember her right. And and so, again, it's that sense of, like, for the model for whom this is a big deal, it's like, well, I, I worked with you. Like, mm-hmm. I have a memory of this experience, mm-hmm. but you don't have a memory of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, again, something so, like, dehumanizing about that sense, mm-hmm. especially in contrast, again, to everybody looking at Jesse in this moment as like the new coming, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm never gonna get there. Mm-hmm. People see you, they notice. Do you know how lucky you are? I'm a ghost. Well, and that and, is quantified so harshly. And Reffin describes Reffin describes Jesse in the like I, I don't remember if it's in the diner or if it's in the walk when he says mm-hmm. like everybody like I, I think he's talking about Gigi and Sarah like they they know they have this they have this awareness that she's this unstoppable force that's coming, mm-hmm. and it seems like the, in this scene Sarah gets overwhelmed by the wave of that unstoppable force and what that means not just the fact of it but the fact of what it means for her specifically. Right. Oh God. It's, it actually makes me like really sad. It's so sad. (laughs) It's so sad. Like so much of this movie, so sad, so um, horrific to watch and yet so beautiful so yeah oh my god like can (laughs) i that's the complexity of this movie like i watch it i'm like can i live in this scene that makes me want (laughs) to die yeah but can i really asking for me can i um from like artistic point of view william like what do you love about this scene oh good question the you know the the um cinematography is so simple mm. like there's not a lot to it it's basically just um headshots of them talking back and forth mm-hmm. but there's something about the posing with um the broken glass all around them the way that the um uh countertop behind sarah is like this bright color as opposed to everything else that mm. kind of like just juts through the middle of her um mm-hmm. It is kind of ghostly. It's like she doesn't exist. <laughs> you can kind of see through her, but at the same time, like she rules the scene. Like every, you can't not look at her mm-hmm. while she's saying I'm a ghost. Um, and the 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 delivery of that line, oh. I need to know whose decision it was to say I'm a ghost <laughs> and then blow that puff of smoke. No, no, because I- it's. Utterly William, yes. brilliant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mm-hmm. that was if that was in the script. If Reffin was like, 
this is some um, symbolism we're going to play with. Uh-huh. Or right. if Abby just like um, went for it, went for it and, and did it on a whim. But it whoever's super decision hit that me is, watching it this time when that came woo. up, I was like, shut up, shut up right now. Oh, the first time I watched this movie, um, I actually I, it was a screener and I had to pause and take a moment. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I was like, did she really just say I'm a ghost and then blow smoke? Oh, because it's so perfect. And we we Gosh. also we also feel the supernaturalness of the movie up to this point. Yeah, and we're thinking like, are they a coven? Are these girls witches? Yeah. Um, right. Are they vampires? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And then she yeah. comes out of left field with "I'm a ghost," and it's like a whole nother su- supernatural element that I, at up until that point in my first viewing, had not even thought of. No. I was like, oh fuck! They're just they're pulling out all the stops with this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it like when there's that because I love how when Elle comes in and she's like picking up like the shards and and she's right. like, "You should really fix this." And Sarah's like, I don't want to fix it. And then the, I love that it doesn't happen with them standing. I love yeah. that when they really start, cause it's, 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 it's the most honest moment of the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the most mm-hmm. like we are like it, in it, the movie does such a good job playing with facade and, and the performance of self that when you get this deep, deeply real and sad scene, it sets it off even more. It's a perfect foil for it. Mm-hmm. And so when Sarah just like collapses and folds down like a mantis and is just like smoking and looking at Jesse and Jesse's just sitting there. Like she couldn't look more childlike and afraid. Yeah, exactly. But like yeah. also no, she's just had a victory. Like she gets that Jesse smile when they tell her like, okay, we're going to go take your measurements. And she gets that like stifled, like fuck yes. Like moment mm-hmm. of triumph that she, you know, experiences moments of triumph that she experiences throughout this movie. Sarah just kind of like, you see her just really, sad but still sizing her up and she really like when she asks she really wants to know like what's it feel like what do you mean to walk into a room and it's like in the middle of winter you're the sun it's everything like she wants to know so bad because yeah. she's only wanted to know that she's always all of this. It seems like for her was about trying to be that. And even whatever attention she has gotten and whatever triumph she has had in her career, maybe when she too was fake 19 and starting out and she was the most sort of desirable version of herself. She knows enough about this industry and the shades of attention you can get to know. She's never had that. And when she asks this child, she's a woman in her 20s who's a veteran professional and has to ask this brand new child, what is this thing I've always been chasing throughout my entire career? Please tell me what it feels like. And to just have that like that perfect level of detached, that perfect level of just like she's been ensorcelled by the feeling already. Like the demon is creeping up inside of her in, in Jesse to look at her and just say, it's everything because she knows like you walk into me and be like, I'm a, I'm a ghost, puff of smoke. Like it is, that's truly the comparison. Like you're either the sun or you're a ghost. And it feels like there can't be an in-between. And it no. is just, and like, and again, like you said, Roxanne, regardless of how objectively you meet all the standards, to still be the ghost is mm-hmm. so defeating. 
it's just so ultimately defeating when anybody could show up at any time and steal that sunshine. Steal that sunshine. Yeah. It, oh. I mean, anybody can be your eclipse, right? Yes. Like, so there's just something like incredibly bleak about that. But to William's point from like an aesthetic beauty point of view, mm-hmm. like that blood sure is beautiful, right? I mean, the it contrasts is. in yep. this scene are so well done mm-hmm. to go from like Sarah, who almost looks like blue, yeah. almost seems like corpse-like mm-hmm. to like the mirror shards to then like the richness and viscosity mm-hmm. of Jesse's blood. And I would say like, do we think this is like the first moment where you think, oh, something else is happening? You know, when she reaches for the blood? Oh, yeah. Or do you, or do you already feel like something weird and supernatural is happening? I can't tell anymore because like I've watched <laughs> it so many times that I can't tell. For me, I, that's... it definitely feels supernatural before that point, but it mm-hmm. it is an exclamation on it. Because um, mm-hmm. when she goes for that blood, I I my immediate thought is okay, she's a vampire. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just the sight of blood that she's like all of a sudden ravenous because she has I mean, been her like, eyes. like you Abby's said eyes she's been she's been a ghost in this scene up until that blood shows up and she's kind of like pale and defeated and as soon as that blood shows up it's almost like she um can be revived she's being awakened um and you mentioned earlier um self-mutilation mm-hmm. that that abby would go through for you know the industry um and when she goes after the blood in, in Jesse's hand, um, there's still glass in it and she doesn't yeah. give a shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. you're right. I'm, I'm taking, this is what I need. This is what I need right now. And I'm as dangerous as it is, I'm going to go for it. Um, so and I'm to wondering. The point where she, she seems like she, she dives at her hand, like she, like she sees it as a solution. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like her answer. only solution. She's yeah. real hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point that she's going to, um, risk her own safety for but then at the same time because of the supernatural feeling i'm like "Mm, she's not at any risk what she's something other than human to me Mm -hmm. in this moment so well it is a word that you've used a few times in reference to like she is feral in that moment like the way just the amount of performance that abby lee is giving in this in this one room and watching her like see the blood and climb up, like she's she's detached, she's emotionally dead inside, and then she sees the blood and her demeanor changes, and then she like and Jesse like offers her hand, like, "Are you gonna fix? Like, are you gonna help me?" And right. and and Sarah just just lunges into her hand, and Jesse can't quite pull away first, and she finally dives back and like falls into the back wall, and Sarah is ravenous. She has blood on her mouth, and she's not horrified by herself. She's not like looking at her hands or herself or like she's not recoiling from what she's just done she's in like an all fours posture looking straight at jesse just like staring right at her looking desperate and there's just the, like to me that in that's the moment in the movie where i'm like how is uh, that was i remember the first time thinking oh my god how is this gonna end like yes. how is this movie yeah. going to end yeah because we just changed the terms of engagement mm-hmm. yeah and then i think then I think it's like after that it feels like there's more supernatural shit than not Uh and so this feels like that turning point and Mm -hmm. in that way it almost feels like 
you know, like Sarah's loss Mm -hmm. is like the linchpin for what comes next. Like, it feels like Sarah has to be defeated in this moment. Mm -hmm. Then they walk the show. Mm -hmm. And after the show, we get Gigi's defeat. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh my God, Gigi's defeat. Right. And then finally we get Ruby's defeat in mm-hmm. the house so mm-hmm. it's interesting too that like it is so intentional in terms of individually each of them you know as you mentioned earlier each of them takes an l mm-hmm. you know in dealing with her mm-hmm. and then it becomes something else yeah. but this moment is really that first indication like if you thought that like the crazy rave scene which i love so much is just like a trick of lighting or whatever yeah. and like they're not really levitating and it's like almost like sleep no more which is what i always think of when uh-huh. the rave scene happens but then it's like okay but like somebody going for somebody else's blood yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cannot really be explained away as well yeah so i love that like tip of the hand in something that like is horrifying and grotesque but also comes probably from the most emotionally vulnerable moment of the film too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i love like what refin is suggesting there which i think he suggests in all of his movies right which is like our truest selves yeah. are probably also our most animalistic selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz like that's very much who Baby Goose is always playing, yeah. you know, in Revan movies and so I think I think he sees something like very primal in that. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is Mads Mikkelsen in Valhalla Rising to right, an extent. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's interesting to see again we keep talking about like Refn as like making guy movies quote unquote it is interesting to see how he takes that from like a feminine perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this scene just reads so real from abby to be honest honestly like i feel it's it's what it's like you're watching it you're like are we allowed to be watching this this feels very private like uh, does she know we're here yeah and uh, i guess like since Elle was 16 at the time of filming uh she was on like an hour's restriction she could only do 10 hours a day so she they filmed all her lines like on camera and then they finished filming she had to go home and so they finished filming the the scene with abby and refin was giving Elle's lines (laughs) to abby so she's saying like what like over and over he was saying like it's everything like he he mocks it back like in the commentary of him just milking it out it's everything and he's like so i'm just saying that to her for like an hour and the fact that abby lee is giving that performance across from nicholas winding fucking refin pretending to be jesse (laughs) speaks even more to what abby is delivering in this i mean my god god this fucking movie man (laughs) fucking movie man fucking movie oh it's so good that when i interviewed abby lee it was over the phone because i don't think i could have had as good a conversation in person it would have been too much yeah i feel like that's like overwhelming um this was very much when they uh netflix did some like mudbound event for us Mm. like in dc and garrett headland was there oh and um i like couldn't form words like (laughs) like very close to him so my friend had to be like oh hey like this is roxana and i'm lauren and we like really loved your movie and 
I I don't remember if I like uh shook his hand. I think I shook his hand. I don't think we hugged because that's like sort of low key awkward for a celebrity you find really interactive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was shaking as well. Oh, and I'm like, okay. So like you also don't love this. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I at least appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, certain people like certain celebrities. I'm just like I I couldn't I couldn't do it. And that's Abby Lee. Like I feel like I would be <laughs> so intimidated. Like not even enthralled by her beauty. Although of course she's beautiful. Although yeah, especially like, if we met like standing and then we were huh. sitting, it'd be like oh no. Just like, have to look straight up. Yeah, because like <laughs> right. maybe she's in heels for work and I'm just me. And it's yeah. like, oh, look, you clear me by a whole foot and then yeah. everything else on top of that. Right. It's like her body and my like hobbit body. Like it would <laughs> yeah. not work. Like, but again, kudos, kudos to Elle because, you know, I feel like, again, like Elle was young. Elle was so yeah, young. experienced. But I feel like to go up against somebody who is such a force in this industry and the movie that you are making the industry, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I feel like, yeah. again, it's like. And the performance that you're playing off of feels so at least resembling of like a cathartic channeling of yeah. like processed experience from this person. Like you're, you're bringing a performance and they're bringing like, they're pulling from like this deep chasm in themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> where like you're you're giving a great performance and they're doing a great job giving a performance in spite of how close they are to the material which could make things really hard yeah Mm, man such a good sequence of the movie oh overall just such a good like compression of things Mm -hmm. that happen which again speak to the sense that like i cannot imagine this movie organized in any other way no i i told you guys earlier I rewatched this with my partner and he mm-hmm. brought up the the fact that this scene in particular feels like um the plot of their entire movie truncated yep yeah agreed um so it's kind yeah. of like I mean if we're talking in in fashion editorial this is kind of like the centerfold of the film mm-hmm. 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 yeah yes yes this is, it's 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 like it's the thesis statement and it's and it's 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 mostly squeezed to your your key characters and like the ones that it's going to begin and end with like you see yeah. throughout this yeah. run and and it gives you it gives you the it gives you it's everything it gives you it's everything alongside the dichotomy of i'm a ghost which is god what a what a run i know <laughs> so good so good so that will then tee us up for the next week's installment which will be um i'm so excited to hear roxana talk about triangles (laughs) and on the runway scene as we really as as sarno lets us know that beauty isn't everything it's the only only thing thing. it's the only thing yeah um yeah there's gonna be and 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 Gigi Gigi's defeat we will watch that boss go down um and another incredible scene oh god (laughs) again i i can't wait to like get as excited about bella heathcote on the next one because i just i in my my all-encompassing great love for abby lee i unjustly uh don't give bella heathcote the flowers i think she deserves for this movie but she's doing tremendous work um but yeah so that will be our next episode in the meantime um, where can the people find you william i am at william o tyler on all social media um at william o tyler on patreon uh cinephilia is on twitch every monday at perception studio um and that's it all those places 
Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Roxana underscore Hadadi. And um, I write for a bunch of places. So you can find me on Rotten Tomatoes, which compiles a lot of my work. All right. And I am Jordan Cruciola. You can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And uh, on Patreon.com slash Cruciola. Uh, so that that is where you can locate us. But then, of course, please keep following along on our journey through Neon Demon. Because I am learning to love this movie in, in new ways every episode. And Same. I, I yeah, hope you guys, <laughs> I hope you guys are too. <laughs> so thank you. And we'll see you next time. I don't want to be them. They want to be me.